understanding a little bit about our relationship with God, and then I want to take that information, the things that Jesus said in John chapter 17, verses 13 through 19, and talk about something that was brought to my attention and a question was asked about where are we in our life, and in essence, how close are we to God, and how much have we got our life in control and in particular how much have we overcome in our life because I think it's an interesting question that all of us can ask ourselves so I might just start this question or this scripture first of all by starting with a question how many of you us have overcome the problems that we have I mean we've got we can not we're an overcomer, but we have overcome the problems. That that's in the past, and it never has reoccurred, or never will reoccur. So let me throw out some things like: you used to lose your temper and get angry, but no more. You've got that one in the bag. That's past. Uh, you used to curse. But no more do you curse. You never use a curse word or anything like that. That's over, done, check that one off. You used to get jealous and envious, but no more. Oh, by the way, you've overcome the fact that you used to get down in the dumps and depressed and discouraged and felt hopeless and helpless and all those things, but oh no. You're just a ball of joy and happiness. And you used to be envious of other people. You kind of turned green, but, oh, not anymore. You, you've got that overcome as, as well. So I'm just throwing out some possibilities. You used to like to eat fattening foods, but no more do you even think about that. And you would never drink more than you should drink. Of course, you immediately think alcoholic, but, you know, it could be diet sodas. It could be coffee. Yeah, anyhow. And you never make fun of anybody else or ridicule or any of those things. And you just have, you've overcome most of the things that, well, just everything, and, and now you're just moving on in the Christian life, waiting for Jesus to come and take care of, you know, the rest of the world because you've overcome, and well, you might admit there's something I'm, I'm still working a little bit on, a little bit, but I've overcome. So with that thought in mind, and, and by the way, you've overcome the world, nothing in the world affects you. I mean, you never go to a movie you shouldn't go to or see things or whatever. Or, or, oh, my. And you never think anything bad, you know, about people or have these weird thoughts that come into your head like, oh, 
about it. I mean, I just killed a person, you know, or you know, you want to murder them. No, no you're, you're beyond that. So, having said that, here is a part of the prayer of Jesus. It's only a part of the prayer. But I think it speaks to the fact that we, brethren, some of the things that we can learn and, and understand. And here's what he says in his prayer. I am coming to you now. That is, he is coming to the Father, he is saying in his prayer. But I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I'm of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Now, so I've entitled this sermon, Sanctification. Because sanctification means to be set apart as something to observe it as holy. So as a sanctified Christian, then we've got to profess ourselves to be holy. Now there's several ways of spelling holy. H-O-L-Y W-H-O-L-L-Y or W-H-O-L-E with a lee, uh, we're holy, or that would be full of holes in the in the way H O L E that we could be why holy in that regard. We're kind of like Swiss cheese. It also means to purify or free from sin. So the question for us in terms of sanctification: Are we holy? Do we observe holiness? And are we free from sin? And in terms of that, holy, it, 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 there are two main ways of looking at it. It's a special status set apart for God's use when we think about holy. It is also a moral behavior, thoughts, and actions that are appropriate. And we think about in every situation, our thoughts and our actions are appropriate. And it is God is the one, though, who sanctifies, and this most people agree to this, that God is the one who sanctifies people. That is, God is the one who sets them apart to be holy. Now, the problem comes in is, how do you do that? The problem arises with the human role in sanctification. When is sanctification complete? And how Christians overcome sin? So let's ask ourselves several questions. How have we overcome sin in our life? We have, what would we like to do? Most of us would like to overcome sin, and probably the easiest way for us to overcome sin is to go someplace that is sinless. Like an island all by ourselves. There is a problem with that, though, because generally speaking, what happens is a sinner follows you if you're the only one on the island, and so you have polluted the island a little bit by yourself. Now, we don't want to think of it that way. So we also would think about, well, 
how do we overcome sin is, well, if I were God, then I would make it easier for people to overcome sin because I would remove all sin from them. However, what we tend to see is this, that in the garden there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And by the way, as we've already read, where in the world is Jesus saying that he is sending his disciples? He's sending them into the world like he was sent into the world. Now, probably if we were to allow ourselves to think about this for a moment, we would say to Jesus, what in the blank are you thinking? And yes, that's probably how we would present it. And by the way, we would have a problem there because we're, we're accusing God of, of being unrighteous, unholy, and obviously he's not doing things our way. Now, here we, we understand, and we should understand, that Jesus has a true perspective on our human reality. And I want to read just a couple of verses prior to this from John chapter 17 and beginning here in verse 11. He says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them through the power of your name. Your name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now let us think about this for a moment and let us take a look at some of the things that Jesus is telling us. He is telling in his prayers, I am still in the world. In other words, I have not separated myself at this moment in time to talk about the issue and the problem that they have in terms of, of being holy, sanctified, living a righteous life in this life. I'm still here in this world. I understand their problems. I understand their difficulties, their struggles that they're having. He is also saying that we are protected by the power of his name. And that's very important for us to realize because there is one name that Jesus keeps talking about and one reason that Jesus came to, to the earth is not only to save sinners but to reveal the Father and who God really is. Now this is important because when we think about how that we have tried to overcome sin, overcome aspects of our life, Normally, it is by self-determination. We set, our, we set our will to overcome something. So, and when we set our will, there are several things that we do. We avoid everybody else. We also condemn everybody else. And generally speaking, we're as irritable and as cranky and as impossible to get along with and we feel really guilty and full of shame because, generally speaking, I have found that people who have set their will tend to get really down on themselves. And they also get down on other people because if they think they have done it, then there is a feeling of righteousness. But where does that righteousness come? It is stuck severely or totally in center of self. It is self-righteousness. You know, 
well, if I can do it, anybody can do this. If I can quit smoking, everybody ought to be able to quit smoking. Well, if I can lose weight, everybody ought to be able to lose weight. Well, it doesn't happen that way. If I can control my temper, everybody can control my temper. If I can do it, then everybody can do it. There is a self-righteousness that comes there. So Christians, to be in a Christian in this world, it's kind of, I put it down as a meanness. It's about, it's about us and what we do and how we see it. But Jesus said he protected his disciples by the name that God gave him. And the name that God gave to him is the, that he is the Christ. And we're, we're going to talk about that, Jesus. But then he also tells us about the name of the Father, who the Father really is. And this is important in terms of our being sanctified and, and, and understanding. And then he says, and this is encouraged, that none is lost. Now, here are the encouraging things about it. He's saying, look, I am praying for you. I have protected you by the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, who God is, one. The fact that God is, has called you because you know these things. I, I, have, I have done that. That you, you will be taken care of. And I will lose none. See, all of these things are encouraged. Now, Jeanette sings, sang the song, I am weak and he is strong. That is the reality. And we are trying to, to have a closer walk with God. Now, none of Jesus' disciples were lost despite their weaknesses. And there were some weaknesses and we can understand. Now, we read early and I had... Um, us read in 1 Corinthians that Paul talked about the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2 that it was a sanctified body and then it talks about the kind of individuals that they are and then it is a, it's a body of people who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this, and when we think about the, the Lord Jesus Christ this is the full force of the name because you have to realize, he says, the Lord Jesus Christ. So what can we learn from that when we think about sanctification? First of all, that Jesus is Lord. He is Lord of Lords. He is King of Kings. We serve him. We worship him as our Lord. We seek first the kingdom of God, the Lord. Secondly, Jesus. The name Jesus means that he came to save his people. This is Matthew 1.21. It is Jesus who came to save sinners, of which all of us are. Then Christ, that is the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that God has chosen specifically, and Jesus in essence says, here I am, Lord. Now, when we think also and, uh, about God working our life in sanctification, we have to think about the peace that Jesus gives to us. And so I want us to read a little bit because Jesus gives us a little clearer definition. Because when we think of peace, generally to have peace, we have to have things our way. And because if it's our way, then we, we feel like we're at peace. And that is not the peace that Jesus leaves us. In John, in John chapter 14, verses 23 through 30, we see, here's what Jesus replied. 
If anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. So we think about sanctification, God working our lives. If we love God, we will obey his teaching. But the, but the precursor to all of this is loving God. Now there's another point here that we're going to get to, and, and it's important for me to mention this to you at this time. If you don't believe that God loves you, you are not going to overcome. You're not going to, to change. You're not going to, to come to the reality and be empowered in the way in which the Holy Spirit, the love of God, empowers you to change your life. So you first of all love God, but we also know that God loved us first. And we have to have an appreciation for that. So Jesus says, you obey my teachings. My Father will love him, and we will come to him. Not just Jesus, but also the Father will come to him and make our home with him. Not just a tabernacle, not just a house, but make a home with him. When we think about making a home, that is a very comfortable place to be. And I tell you what, you can, you can change so much better without stress than you can under pressure. You can change. Now, I'll give you an example of this. Runners who run the 100-yard dash run faster when they're relaxed. You think, well, no, if I'm under pressure, I'll run faster. No, they run faster when they're relaxed. I'm going to suggest to you that Christians grow more when they're relaxed. And it isn't relaxing by saying or, you know, taking a tranquilizer or something like that. But it's what God is doing in our life and who God is. It says, he who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear from me are not my own. And again, Jesus is not taking credit for the things that he is teaching. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken to you while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything. I have said to you, peace, this verse 27, I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. And do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace that we have from God is not the world's peace. For the world to have peace today, everybody would have to have what they want, when they want it, how they want it, and the like. And it leads to anarchy, it leads to chaos, and all of things. Now, Jesus has given us peace in a less than peaceful world. He has given us a hope, he has given us an encouragement. And I'm telling you, growing and overcoming in a peaceful environment with an understanding of who God is and what God is doing makes all the difference. And then Jesus tells us and reminds us he does not want our hearts to be troubled or to be afraid. Now, when it comes to the points of you thinking about your overcoming, how troubled are you? And by the way, how much trust are you putting in yourself rather than in God and what God has, has done and is doing? So Jesus' peace comes with a godly reality. 
and that is it isn't easy. He says, you've heard me say I'm going away, but I'm coming back. If you love me, you ought to be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And we think about, again, overcoming. God is greater than I, and he helps us to understand. So when we go back to John chapter 17, we look at the say, what Jesus is praying. And he's saying these things while he's still in the world, not distant, not aloof, not safe in heaven. Now, I put it that way because it'd be easy for us to say, well, that's easy for you to say, you're off in heaven. <laughs> you know, you're safe. You don't have to deal with this world. Jesus is telling us while he is dealing with the world because where do we, where's the reality of our overcoming? It is in this world, in our humanity. Jesus did all this in human humanity or what we call our world. Now, let me say this. It is, I believe it is a mistake if you, we say to ourselves, if Jesus did this, then I can do this. No, you can't. You cannot do what Jesus did. Now, what does God expect of you? To do what Jesus did. But how do you do that? You turn yourself over. It's not you that does these things. It's Christ that does these things. And all of a sudden, there is an incredible transition. I do not know how to totally explain this, but when you start putting your trust in Jesus, the fact that Jesus did these things, it is by grace we're saved. It's not by our works. It is not by becoming perfect. And, and yet we're told, become ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So, I have mentioned this to us before, but I think it's worth reminding ourselves. How can something that has been imperfect become perfect? It's an impossibility. I mean, you can glue a Ming vase back together, but it's a glued back vase. It's cracked. It's fractured. We live in a broken world. We have all sin. We continue to sin. But it's only when Christ applies his righteousness to us. Now, there are other examples of this to remind us. What did God, Jesus, say through the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans? He, he tells us about Abraham and how God imputed to him righteousness. It wasn't about how faithful Abraham, but he imputed righteousness, faithfulness to God, because we realize that though Abraham did that, there are other points that he was having difficulty with in terms of being faithful. Now, so how do then we become people who are sanctified, people who are holy? Well, it is through Christ. So Hebrews chapter 10 tells us this. And again, these are encouraging things for us to understand. In Hebrews 10 verse 10, we find of the sacrifice of Christ where it tells us here, here in, in verse 10 of Hebrews chapter 10, and by that will we all have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. How have we been made holy? Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now, then this comes up again in, in, in terms of what God says about us. Now, 
this also is one of the things that really helps people to overcome. So let me use an example of this. When you're talking to someone, if you're negative, you can never do this. You can never accomplish these things. It is impossible. People usually play down to that. But if you offer people hope, we use this oftentimes with children, if you offer them hope, you know, look, it is possible for this to happen. And you give them hope, or you, you, you tell them this is who you are. They live up to that standard. They work towards that standard. Does that mean they are? So what are some of the things that, that God tells us in Scripture that we are? Saints? Now, which one of you really believes that you are a saint? So, so George, is Jeanette a saint? Do not answer that question, George. You know, we realize we have people, you know, or, or, or the congregation, you know, is your pastor a saint? And I will say, no, as, as if I had to say that, and, it's in, and that in itself, but yet it is true. God calls us holy and blameless in his sight. That is what empowers people, the Holy Spirit working in our lives, to begin to overcome, begin that process, and, and to trust in God in doing that. And so when we read First Peter chapter 2, verses 5, it talks about that we're declared holy in his name. So let's take a look at some of the statements that Jesus makes in his prayer about his disciples. In John chapter 17, now in verse 14, we read these things. And these, these things are all encouraging. And Jesus... Now, is Jesus lying to his Father in prayer? No, he is not. He, he tells us in verse 14 in his prayer, and reminds us of this. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Do you believe that? This is what Jesus said. Jesus says to the disciples, you are no more part of the world than I am part of the world. But, but, but Lord, what are, you, what are you saying? It is what God sees in us and what God is doing with us that changes all of that. He says, they are not part of the world any more than I am. And I'm thinking, oh Lord, are you sure? Are you sure about that? To me, brethren, that that is so encouraging. And it is true because Jesus says it's true. What does that make me want to do? Not be a part of the world. Not live a worldly life in the world in which I live. So he says that. Now, we recognize that the world doesn't like us. And we have to ask ourselves this question. Do we want the world to like us? And that's a struggle that we have. We do want the world to like us. And Christians are called, generally speaking, people who are dumb. Who, you know, that you believe in God. Uh, in the world in which we live. And especially who believe in Christ as Lord and Savior. That believe that God is our Heavenly Father. And in the relationship that we have, 
Now, if you were told that your DNA proved that your your parents are a king or or a king and queen, how would that change your life? Well, for many of us, we would, whoa, i got to live differently. Well, we recognize that we have a heavenly father. So we ask ourselves, Lord, is that true? And if it is true, why is it true? And we say to God, well, I'm not perfect. I'm still trying to overcome my shortcomings. And as I say, that is more difficult for Joanne because she's not tall. But for Joanne and Josette, the J girls, they have a lot of shortcomings. Yes, and and I'll I'll be paying for that for a long time. Yes, yes, yes. And people who are tall have you know you know problems as well. But Jesus' prayer for us is that we not stay in the darkness, and that we move into the light. Now, his prayer, verse 15, also is that he protect us from the evil one. That is a reality. In our world today, there is an evil one which the world does not see. That's why we, our prayer also is lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. We do not see all these things. And, and I would suggest to you, I have found it true in my life, there, there are thoughts that intrude into my life from time to time. I'm thinking, what in the world? And then I ask myself, well, how long have I been thinking this? Well, you've been thinking that for the last 10 seconds or a minute. Or, whoa, stop it, stop it, stop it. The craziness. So it is his, his prayer that we protect it from the evil one. Now, let me give you an example that I think will help us. If, if Jesus is praying for us, that we not be protected, that we be protected from the evil one, does that mean that we'll get it all right and the evil one will not have any influence over it? The answer is no. Let me tell you why. Jesus tells the Apostle Peter in Luke chapter 22, Look, Peter, the devil has been wanting to sift you as wheat, and I have prayed for you. And he says, and when you turn back and be converted, then teach my people your way. Just because God is praying for you does not mean that you will not be impacted by Satan, by the world, and that you will not learn lessons and that God doesn't know it. Now, this is important for us to understand. God knows that we don't always get things right. It doesn't keep Jesus from praying for us, making intercession for us, all of those things. And Peter said, well, look, Lord, I'll go, I'll die. You know, his intent was good. His ability as a human being. Now, when it comes to overcoming also, oftentimes, I I, I have found this, maybe you have, you have good intentions. I'm, you know, I'm never going to lose my temper again. I am never going to curse again. 
I'm never going to get jealous, envy, and all of that. I'm, I'm not going to allow these things to happen. I will never be tempted by another brownie or chocolate chip cookie or anything like that. I will not do that. You know, I will never say something askew or whatever. And the bottom line is, in our humanity, we still do that. So we have to recognize this. Now, this is also important, and for sake of time, I will refer to this. In Romans chapter 5, it tells us, the Apostle Paul tells us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That applies today to us. He gave his life for us. And we still are, are human beings. We are sinners who don't want to sin. We are trying to leave that past behind. We are making progress. We are growing towards. And, and again, one of the encouraging scriptures is to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Does that mean we can just, oh, be flippant about it? No. There are so many things in a human relationship that you do because you love somebody. And when you do it because you love somebody, not because this is what I got to do and I got to set my will to do it, you do it because you love them. There are sacrifices that you make and you realize in your life, well, I really don't want to do this, but because I love this person, I will do this. So Jesus, again, reiterates to all of us in verse 16 of, of his prayer, they are not of the world even as I am not. He tells that again. And, and for us, brethren, that ought to be very, very encouraging as disciples. Then he gets to some very interesting things in verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Jesus, we are sanctified by the truth. The truth of the matter is that is through Christ Jesus. We are sanctified by the word. Christ is the word. We are sanctified because we believe in the Word of God. We believe the Word of God in terms of Jesus. We believe in the Word of God in terms of Scripture. We, we believe that, that God knows truth, and the truth sets us free. That is the point that we believe in. This is truly a Jesus moment, because sanctification comes only through Jesus Christ. And for us, how this is helpful and understanding, as the Apostle Paul put it in Romans chapter 2, again, that goodness, the repentance, comes through the goodness of God. And that is what really changes us when we realize how good that God has been to us. And it's a righteousness that comes by faith. It doesn't come by law. It comes by faith. Now, there are a whole series of scriptures that talk about overcoming in this life. It tells us the kind of people that we ought to be. You know, knowing these things, these are the kind of people that we ought to be. It doesn't say that we are. But this is what we ought to be. But who is God? God is our Heavenly Father who loved us, who called us from the foundation of the world. And can God deal with humanity? You have to realize that God made and created us. This is the beauty of creation. You know, we had no input in this. It is about the love of God, what he made. And we, we read the, the beginning of the story, the middle of the story, the end of the story, and we recognize that it is about God and what he has done. Now, the book of John, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3 says that when we understand the graciousness, the goodness of God, 
we understand it is in this that we make ourselves pure. We, we desire to put on the nature of Christ and to be like him. And then he tells us in verse 18, I've sent them out into the world. He realizes that, that he has sent us out into very bad territory. It is difficult. And on our own, it is impossible. But we are not on our own. We have the Holy Spirit working in us. We are not on our own because we have a high priest who knows and has suffered all things as we have. And with that thought in mind, it's important for us to understand that God has gone through this. And it's not, well, well, he's made it really difficult on us. So I want to read this, this scripture in Hebrews Chapter 5, verses five, uh, 7 through 10. Speaking of Jesus, during, this is verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. It isn't like he doesn't know what we're going through and you know, that it was just easy. And he was heard because of his reverent submission to God. You know, it's amazing when we submit ourselves to God, what God can do in our life. But when we don't, we decide to do it on our own, it's very difficult. It's very hard. In fact, it's impossible. Although he was a son. But we can say, well, God, don't you know who I am? You call me a son? You know, you should make it easier. I'm an heir. You know, I'm born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Even though he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect... He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And it was designated by God to be high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And that's who makes intercession for us. Then he goes on to tell us, verse 19, and I think this is so imperative for us to understand. For them I sanctify myself. We do not live this life just for ourselves. Now, did Jesus need to be sanctified? He didn't sin. He did no wrong. But for us, he came, he fulfilled the law, which you and I could not possibly do. He calls us his son. He calls us his friends. He calls us, you know, his children, all of that. He introduces us to the Father for them. For us, he did that. So when it comes to over, overcoming sometimes, the principle, the, 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 the driving force in ours is because Jesus loves me, this I know, I'm not going to do what I myself might want to do in the way in which I want to do it. I'm going to live a life I'm, and I'm asking him to live his life in me. It's about him doing it. And in that process, that he will sanctify me. Because, then he goes on, that they may be truly sanctified. I think our own attempt at sanctification is a miserable mess. If we want to be truly sanctified, we come to Jesus and say, Jesus, your grace, your righteousness your holiness and then Jesus does this incredible thing we're sitting there thinking oh Lord I got this litany of sins and weaknesses and problems and difficulty and Jesus says to us 
you are holy and blameless in my sight. And we think, oh, how is that possible? And Jesus said, because of me. Because you see, I am truly sanctified. I have never sinned. I have never gone astray. I have done any of these things. So we look to Jesus for sanctification. And by the way, we put it another way. It is the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. And if he cleanses us from all sin, and he's given us a ministry of reconciliation, and we are sanctified through him, what a change it makes in our life. In terms of overcoming, when will it end? You and I will be doing that the rest of our lives. Will we get aggravated with ourselves? Yes. Will we give up and quit? No. And why not? Because Jesus sanctified us. And we ain't quit. Because it has never been about us. It has been about God. And his love for each and every one of us. Proverbs put it a different way. A righteous man falls seven times and every time he gets up. Will you be aggravated with yourself? Oh, yes, you will. By the way, will you be aggravated with other people who aren't overcoming their problems? Yes. Will you treat them differently, though, because you know that you're not overcoming your problems exactly like you would like to overcome them, etc.? Yes, you will. Because you will realize, that, as all of us should realize, we're all sinners. But we have hope. We have a life because God says it's so. And we have a relationship with a Heavenly Father. And we are sanctified through Christ Jesus who lived the perfect life, sanctified himself for us so that we might know the joy, the hope in this life. And we look forward to that moment when indeed everything, all sins are just taken care of and we're in the kingdom of God live life to the full. So that in part is what sanctification is about. God has given us a holy calling. He called us knowing who we are. He will get the job done. And Jesus tells us other things like those that are mine, I will not lose a single one. Trust him. Trust and obey. For there's no other way. Let's give God thanks. Father in heaven, thank you very much for your son our Lord and Savior, thank you for the perfect life he lived and the love, the high priest that he is, who makes intercessions for us, knowing, Father, our weaknesses and that we can come boldly before your throne of grace because of him. Again, now we ask your blessing, your dismissal, and we thank you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Feeling the blues today or tired of life already? Do you have questions about life or need spiritual advice? The Worldwide Church of God is located in Fairfield, Santa Rosa, and Modesto, California. We welcome everyone to attend our worship services with us every week at the times listed on your screen.